Hello, Padres. This is Chase, like the bank, and I am here with Ali, and this is the Dad Pods, Episode 6, Dad Pod Origins. How are you doing, Ali? I am doing well. How about you? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, you're going to have to forgive us if you hear any noise in the background. They are recording next door. We put the light on and everything. They're just being obnoxious. Just, I'm sorry about that. Anyway, Ali and I have quite a bit to go over tonight, other than just our origin story, of course. Uh, we are going to be talking about movie delays, big things that are uh, in the news right now. We're going to be talking about some new shots fired through the console wars. My little rant about Jamie Foxx as Electro has a little bit more detail into that. And uh, some cool Resident Evil stuff. Probably a couple other things as well. First, like every episode, I would like to start us off with a good little dad joke. So, uh, Ollie, are you aware that um, there is a sequel to Beauty and the Beast? Ye, there's yeah it's uh bell's enchanted christmas or something like that right um i don't know what it's called i just know that my girls were watching it um and apparently uh the, they there's children involved so basically after b verts to his original form as a prince he and bell got married and had children, which made him the fresh prince of Bell's heirs. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, we're going to start uh, this Dad Pods episode a little bit differently than other episodes before it. We're going to be starting with the main story. Um, and the main story tonight is actually us, right? Like we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about how we met, who we are, give you guys some details about uh, why we do this. You know, why, why, we, why we've come together and, and started this. Um, so I, I think that the, the first thing that kind of brought us together is the, the short horn newspaper. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that was, what, 10, <laughs> 10, 11 years ago, 10 years ago? Um, it was more than 10 years ago because uh, my wife and I uh, will have been together now for um, 10 years in less than a month. We'll be, we'll be exper- uh, celebrating our 10-year anniversary. Um, and we, you and I met before I met my wife. And I, I don't think that I was working for the Shorthorn then. So it was probably about 12 years ago that we, that we met. I'm trying to remember if I was a reporter or the opinion editor at the newspaper when we met. I think that when you and I met, you were just getting into editing. So, so before, yeah, yeah, that would have put that would have put it at the beginning of 2010. Yeah, and and so the way that I found the the Shorthorn before I got into news or any type of journalism at all. Um, I did more like theater, artsy, crafty type of stuff and was writing a lot. And so I wrote primarily in fiction, but I kind of wanted to explore into different versions of writing. But I didn't get the idea to try journalism per se until I was in a little short film 
um, called, oh, and what was it called? I, it, it, it is slipping my mind. Um, I, I remember that it was um, J. William Boothman and Jennifer Penny were making a short film. Um, Jennifer Penny is now Jennifer Ofsted. Okay. And uh, they had, Jennifer had known uh, my buddy Max since they were kids. And they were looking for a character to basically be in a car and get pulled out and die. So that was, that was my role. I was just a, a bit part. Um, I, I got pulled out of the car and got stabbed to death by their, their monster murderer character, um, who was played by Max. And uh, I was sitting in the car with uh, the lead character, who was my girlfriend in the um, bit, and her name was, was Rachel. And Rachel was dating um, at a time, at the time, uh, Mark Bauer. Um, Mark being, um, was, was he editor in chief of the Shorthorn? What was his, what was his uh, deal? At that point, uh, let's see. If it was in the fall of 2009, he would have been the assistant news editor, I believe. Assistant, assistant news editor? Yep. Okay. So I kind of learned about the Shorthorn through like all of this kind of, uh, just kind of luck of the draw thing. Um, I, I got pulled in this thing. I was going to TCC at the time. Um, I got to talking to them, made some friends, and was told about um, Mark Bauer and journalism at the Shorthorn while I was going to TCC. And I was like, hey, I'm going to go to UTA soon. So I decided to go and apply uh, to the Shorthorn. And that's where I eventually would meet you. Right, and uh, I ended up at the Shorthorn because Mark Bauer and Jason Boyd uh, came to one of my journalism classes and said, hey, come apply to be a reporter. Um, and at the time, I was just like, hey, that sounds like a good idea. It's kind of on-the-job training. Um, you know, I, I think I might actually be using some of that training for once. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, so that's how I ended up there. Uh, at the time you had started, I'd already been there for a year. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and, I mean, the Shorthorn was just a wonderful experience. I have, I have friends today that, uh, that I made, you know, during that time period, and <laughs> really some of the more, most important and influential people in my life, obviously you, but, uh, you know, Justin Sharp, Mark Bauer, uh, Jason Boyd, uh, Beth Francesco, uh, Kevin yeah. Crouch, these people that uh, are, are still friends today that uh, have had an impact on my life. Yeah, and for the most part, I've kept in touch with um, everyone from the Shorthorn um, on Facebook at the at the very least. Um, especially Mark Bauer, I've you know, followed him for, for quite a bit, um, and Alana Quillen as well. Um, her journey through becoming, you know, a, a Emmy award-winning journalist. Yeah, an Emmy award-winning journalist. Uh, she's pretty freaking awesome. So, I mean, like, you know, we, we met some awesome people who went off and took on big careers. Mark Bauer's taking on a, a big career. Um, I, you know, I can kind of safely say that, without a doubt, that the person I hit it off with most, like, in person when I was there was definitely you, though. Yeah. Um, and I 
I don't know what it was that initially kind of drew us together other than, you know, we were talking quite a bit from that journalist editor type of relationship. Uh, and I think you, you would hang out with uh, Justin Sharp quite a bit for a while as well. Mm-hmm. And Justin, Justin was a good friend of mine. So I would, you know, you know, you'd be around when I'd be talking to him. Yeah, I really hit it off with him. Um, Rossi, I hit it off with him quite a bit too. Um, he was more of like the, the photojournalism. Um, and then uh, Jason Boyd, um, I spent quite a bit of time with um, outside the Shorthorn. I think it's because we all had like kind of a love for just writing and telling stories. And so it was hard to leave the environment there and not to continue telling our stories. Um, Jason Boyd specifically, I know that, you know, he really liked um, fiction. He had a passion for fiction outside of, you know, just writing news stories. And I started out writing fiction then came in and started writing the news. Um, Now we talked about this just briefly. uh, I don't know if it was today or yesterday uh, about you and I, that I didn't realize that we had been in basically the same beats back to back. Yep. So you were in the sustainability beat before I was, correct? I had the architecture, sustainability, and uh, school of business beat uh, through the entire year 2009. Okay. Um, And then I guess you got it in 2010 Mm -hmm. when I was opinion editor. Yeah, and so that's where I started was with, I, I just called it the sustainability beat because it's, it's a mouthful. It is. <laughs> the whole thing is, is a mouthful. And uh, of the technology that we were writing about, the only thing, um, or architecture, that you know, I got to, to write about was um, the, the new Dallas Cowboy Stadium. I got to do a tour of that before it was like officially like opened up. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of cool to tell that story and then telling a story about how a couple of dudes during the making of the stadium decided to take a tumble off it. I don't know if you remember about that. Ouch. Yeah. I think that they survived. I wasn't on the crime beat then. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet anyway. (laughs) It's it's funny because uh, my last semester at the Shorthorn, um, (laughs) I had City of Arlington. Um, and they had brought, uh, that was the same semester that the Super Bowl was in Arlington. Mm-hmm. And despite having to write a whole week worth of Super Bowl stuff, I still haven't been to that spaceship. You haven't? No. I can't think of if I've been to it since it opened. I toured it. I got to see it like when it was empty, which is a pretty cool thing to do to go around it with, you know, some of the people that, you know, put it together, designed it. Yeah. And just have them talking about it, you know, while you're looking at, you know, everything in such a, a big empty space. But I don't recall if I've been to it I since feel like, then. I feel like that TV would make you feel really small. You know what? I think did they have like a wrestling event there? 
I'm sure they have. I, th- I think they did do a wrestling event there. I think I might have gone to a wrestling event there. I could be wrong. Uh, the, the one time, like the biggest memory that I have of it, though, is going through it when it was empty. Um, which is saying, I'm, not, I'm not really a sports guy. So, you know. Yeah, but then as, as far as like sustainability went, you know, Arlington's, uh, if you're not aware, not the most sustainable place. So when, when we were doing like reporting for it, it was always the hardest, in my opinion, beat to do anything on because all of the people that we talked to were basically like almost disappointed in their life outside of the school. Just, just like Arlington sucks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, what I found when I was running that beat was that if you wanted sustainability stuff, it really had to be from groups on campus because on or near campus, mm-hmm. because anywhere further than that, and it was just a waste. Um, and if you if you'd never covered a city council meeting, uh, you, yeah, they're just like it's not the city council. Yeah, for the most part, uh, anytime the city council tries a major initiative to bring some sustainability efforts to Arlington, um, the people in Arlington voted down. Yeah. I, I do recall that. Um, I spoke to you earlier privately about the, the comment that was made on the buses. Um, yes. That there were... Um, uh, there was a big movement to try to get public transit in Arlington. And I've, I've lived all over the world. Um, just, you know, a military family. Uh, and when I moved to Arlington, I was really surprised at the complete lack of public transit. Uh, at the day, you can, you know, catch an Uber or a Lyft, but that wasn't such a big thing when you and I met. And when I when I was you know working for the Shorthorn, when I found out like like there's you can't ride a bus, like how do people get around? Like it's crazy. Well, it's even it's even more bizarre when you when you recognize that Arlington is still the largest city in the United States without a public transit system. It's yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, and and they straight up said like when it came to. Uh, there not being a a public transit system was that they didn't want to attract homeless people into Arlington, and uh, I think it goes both ways. Like, yeah, maybe homeless people aren't trying to to jump over each other to get into Arlington, but without a public transit system, they're also not jumping over each other to get out. Like, you're kind of stuck. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But you know. In my time at the Shorthorn, I, you know, I met Janet DiPolitano. Mm-hmm. Um, I regularly had phone calls with senators and uh, everything else. But I have to say, as cool as all that was, the people that I'm proudest to know are the people that were down there in the bullpen with me. Yeah. And I think that says something about the, the caliber of camaraderie that the Shorthorn built in people. 
Um, and, you know, interesting fact, last year was the Shorthorns' 100th anniversary, so that was pretty cool. Oh, I didn't know that. That's, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, just taking that, like, a step further, like, everywhere else that I've worked and, and everything else that I've done um, in, in my life, I've never really had that kind of, like, you go to work and then you go and you hang out with the people that you just worked with. But the shorthorn, like, because that's, like, the nature of, you know, being a journalist is, you know, interviewing and creating these social relationships and social ties. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why, like, I mean, you guys were all I hung out with. And to kind of, like, paint, like, how close Ollie and I were at that time, I remember that um, I was taking a, a final one semester, and you had sort of, like, a, a family emergency that I, you know, rushed out. I you know, ran up to my teacher and was like, I got to go. Is it, it was a car accident or something? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I got uh, rear-ended. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I've never had that kind of uh, new working relationship with anyone in the past that, like, I would, you know, jump at the gun to, to do anything. So I, I really do um, appreciate my time at the, the Shorthorn there. Um, now, my falling out, because I kind of out of falling out with the shorthorn um, kind of put a damper on that a little bit for me um, uh, it, you and I both did the crime beat yep did, did you do the crime beat before or was it just after I did it so see here's where I'm having a hard time remembering because I believe Kevin Crouch also had the crime beat and it was either just after you or mm -hmm. just after Kevin that I had to pick it up. It might have been both. Gotcha. So, I, I, the crime beat was weird. For the most part, there wasn't, like, crazy amounts of crime. Um, you know, at, at UTA or the Arlington area. We were basically Arlington's biggest newspaper. So, we were basically the, the newspaper for the city and the university as well right at um, the time at the, at the time yeah and so uh there wasn't there wasn't a lot of crime you know other than like like petty stuff um one of this was bike th bike thieves you know we had a lot of people stealing bikes on campus um we had some uh purse snatches now th this is uh something funny that's going to come back a little bit later um, but I, I wrote a story on these three guys that were in um, basically like a van. And they'd pull up their van. One of the guys would hop out the back, punch a, you know any random woman, man on the street that was there, their cell phone, and jump back in the van. And then they'd go and try to sell it. I remember so, that. Yeah, it was it was really weird, and this was like a series of these um, incidents, right? Yeah, it went on for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it it went on for a while, and I was the one that was working on the crime beat when they got caught, right? And so what I did was just did the blotter, um, which is like this person, this person, and this person were arrested on such and such date for doing this uh, but I'd written all the stories 
um, prior to that blotter because it just happened while I was in the crime beat. But after that, I was done. Like, you know, they got caught. I wrote that they got caught and that was it. Um, I didn't really say that they were guilty or anything like that. It was, you know, this is what the police gave us, right? Um, so that was a weird story that I, I promise you, as strange as it is, it, it's going to come back later. Um, but the, the big uh, story that was my falling out of the, the newspaper was uh, a young woman who died in a car accident. Um, and it became more newsworthy, I guess, than uh, you'd want it to be. Yeah. Because of the, the circumstances behind it. And the, the, initially I just wrote an obit for her. And her family was really touched. And they invited me to the funeral. And I'm, I'm not going to use um, their names for their privacy. Um, but I uh, you know, wrote the, the obit and did that story. And... Um, was asked to continue writing stories after the, the family had invited me to the funeral. And I was very adamant that I didn't want to do that. I was very, just uncomfortable with the idea of continuing making a story out of it um, because it didn't feel like criminal news. Um, the, the person who, who, was responsible for the accident. Um, I, I don't think that it was like a malicious thing, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, it ended up ruining their life, everyone's lives that was involved. Um, and just the, the feeling of take your pen and take your paper and go and interview these people at their most grieving was very difficult for me to do emotionally. And I, you know, to this day, I'm still not sure how other journalists are able to like get past that. I, I guess I was too sensitive at the time to, to do it. So I, I did the story. Um, I did everything that I was, I was asked of. And then afterwards, that was it. That was, that was, I put down my typewriter, as it were, and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to move on to something else. Um, it stopped my degree dead in my tracks. It, it changed my life quite a bit. Um, I, I remember that time frame, and I remember that I was kind of in, a, in an odd position in that I was an editor, so I couldn't be like, oh, no, I, I completely agree with Chase. Um, but I could very well see both sides of what was being said there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've always been a you know, do-what-you're-told kind of person. Um, if my boss tells me to do something, I get my job done. Um, but that's just, that's just the way my, my brain works. I, I'm able to detach myself emotionally uh, completely from a situation if need be. And not everybody can do that yeah um and when i when i was you know basically just happened to sit by the sideline while my friend was going through this horrible thing 
I, I I had to I had to I had to keep quiet and it was it really sucked because I understood what you were going through and I couldn't publicly voice any support. Yeah. And and see, I think that if this had led you down the path that I went, it would have been way better for you. Because <laughs> of what you just said of being able to to listen to people and follow orders. Apparently that's not a skill set that I'm very good at. Um but yeah, when I uh, you know, told him that I was done with, at the Shorthorn, I, I basically ended up throwing away my, my college career too. And so that was uh, pretty rough. Um, but then the, the silver lining was that after a series of bad decisions, I met Nikki and you know she might, at least on my end, be the, uh, the reason that I'm in dad pods now. <laughs> um, so well, I, I, she's I, the mother of your children. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind That's of the... stands to reason <laughs> and all that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, so I, I, uh, you know, ended up, ended up meeting meeting Nikki. Um, was no longer in touch with um, people of Shorthorn. One of the um, kind of downsides of being in the environment that we were in, uh, because we spent so much time together as like newspaper group that once you were out of the newspaper, it was really hard to continue that camaraderie, at least at that time, at least that's how it felt for me. Um, you know, so it was, it was a pretty heavy loss. And then I got, you know, a, a new win with my wife and the two of us decided that we wanted to start a family. So we joined the military. That's where the next you know, part of our kind of saga went. What happened to you after you were done with the shorthorn? Um, after I finished, uh, after I graduated, I decided to go back to school, uh, and I took uh, one semester and one summer semester of film school. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I got some pretty useful uh, skills out of that, uh, particularly my ability to edit video and audio with any imaginary skill. Um, it it really it 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 wasn't the plan that I wanted. Um, I wanted to study film, but I didn't want to take all the art classes. Uh, to this day, I can't figure out why a film major needs to take drawing fundamentals. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so after that summer semester, uh, I just said, you know what, I'm done with this. Uh, I did try to go to graduate school that did not work out probably because I was trying to take my journalism and political science and cram it into an MBA, which obviously wouldn't work. Um, and my understanding was that the journalism field kind of died while we were working at the Shorthorn. It, it really did. And at that point, I was so close to graduating that it was like, well, I mean, I'm proud of, I'm proud of my coworkers who have made it. You know, you mentioned yeah. Alana earlier. Uh, can't forget Jonathan Silver, who is a reporter at the Texas Tribune. Uh, at least he was last I checked. Um, we've we've got some some people that we we went to school with that have done really well for themselves. Yeah, incredibly um, successful. Yeah, and and I'm really proud of them. 
uh, Rachel Snyder is, uh, is still a reporter around here. And, um, I mentioned Kevin Crouch earlier. He runs mm-hmm. the, uh, Ellis, he, he runs Ellis County weather, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I didn't take that path. I, I, apl- I've applied for jobs in journalism. Um, but most of the jobs that kind of poked their head out at me was really not paying very well. And I'd gotten a job working at Best Buy, which I, I actually really enjoyed for the most part. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember uh, running into you at Best Buy while I was in the military and was visiting Arlington. I don't know if you remember that. You know, I really don't. Yeah, you were um, working, you were in the front at the time. Um, I must have been up there for a few minutes because I was never one of the front counter people. No, not front counter. Um, like, you, you greeted me at the door. Like, saw me as I came in through the, the door. <laughs> um, I definitely don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, and, and we, we talked a little bit um, at that time. You know, very short. Yeah, um, I I look distinctly different than um, I did then, and definitely do now. I was bald and probably a little bit more physically fit. Uh, you mean um, you didn't have the insane hair that you have in your rant videos? I did not. No, no <laughs> I was I was uh, definitely uh, almost shaved to the the scalp, and I probably walked like a robot. Because I was—that's how I was was taught to to walk for a while, was to to be very robotic. Yeah. Um. When I uh, joined the military, um, I was just kind of trying to get out of uh the the writing and especially journalism at the time, just find something new. I mean, life is about new experiences. So, uh, I got into munitions. So I was an ammo troop at the time. Um. But I hadn't yet got the ammo edge. So if, if you know of ammo troops, you know that you know they're mostly uh, a little bit more crass and um, egotistical. They don't really have the, the humility that other people do. No shame. Um, but I hadn't learned all those wonderful aspects of being an, an ammo troop yet. Uh, all I had learned was the uh, march, walk straight, head up. I was going to say that sounds like you. I don't. Yes, I don't sir. Know. <laughs> well, at, at the time, that's that. Why you might you might be a little bit fuzzy on remembering seeing me, is because you know even though that we talked and I know that you like recognize me or like the OPR recognized me like midway through the conversation because we were pretty good friends for quite some time. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I know that I had to have looked like a stranger at the same time. Well, I mean, at that time, we hadn't actually spoken in a few years. Yeah. Um, I'm really surprised I don't remember, though. Like, I, I feel like that's the kind of thing that no matter what, I would have remembered. And maybe I was distracted by something else. You you might have been. I mean, the I, I remember some of the details of the conversation that we had. Uh, but I won't get into them here because they were a little bit personal, yeah. I think. Um, but it was a it was a good conversation. It was a, you know good to see you then. 
Yeah. Um, but then I went back and was in the military, and the military was uh, an up and down experience. Uh, that's when my my wife and I had our our daughters. Um, when my first daughter was born, um, I ended up getting deployed um, to Qatar, which is a little peninsula up in um, the United Arab Emirates area. I don't know if you've heard of or been to Qatar. No, but uh, my father goes there frequently, actually. It's it's a really nice place. It's warm. <laughs> and I would imagine so. Uh, I, it's in I, the sandbox. But I, I culture, and I've told my wife, even though she won't buy it, that if I was not going there as like a military member, if I was going there to like live, like I would bring them in a heartbeat. I really enjoyed, like, especially the very brief time that I got to spend in Doha, which I believe is the second wealthiest city in the world. Um, which is like this, you know, really cool mall that's paved in gold and has a roller coaster inside it and a river that runs through it that's designed to look like Florentine and you could get on a gondola and have someone paddle you across stuff that was at the time to me just unbelievable like i you know i haven't experienced anywhere else it sounds needlessly excessive dude it was needlessly excessive it was and right outside the door of the mall there's the souks which is like the exact opposite it's like a giant flea market that surrounds the mall of people being like you want to buy a watch one dollar i don't have a dollar a quarter here's a qu- <laughs> here's a quarter like I've got a quarter. Can you break change for a ten or you know <laughs> whatever? Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a weird, wild place. Um, needless to say, I got a lot of watches there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I I loved it. Other than you know, one of the big things um, was that I felt like I was abandoning my family. I missed my daughter's first birthday. Um, yeah, we were, I was gone for almost eight months, maybe a little bit longer. And, uh, and yet somehow she's just like you. I, I, I don't know how that happened, but well, while I was gone, it's just like, I grew up military. My, my dad was, uh, an officer. And so I traveled the world. Um, you know, I actually moved out to Arlington the first time because my parents did. Um, I don't know if you knew that. Yes, I actually did uh, know that. Yeah, yeah. So when I, you know, met you, is because of you know the military and just kind of following them around the way that military kids do. And um, I promised that I would not do that to my kids if and when I had them. And then I had them, and then I did that to my kids. So one, uh, thing, that, one thing that I've noticed is that. There's a lot of, I'll never be that way. I'll never be that parent um, yeah. that I've said, uh, particularly regarding the way you know my parents raised me. Um, but then, as 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 a parent, I recognize a different kind of necessity to the way things were done by my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so I look at it like, well, you said you would never do that to your kids until you had kids and realized that. 
you know, that's kind of an important thing. You have to be able to provide for them, and that's that's what's most important. So you did what you had to yeah, with the situation that you had. And I don't think that's... I don't think of that as uh, betraying your younger self. I look at that as, hey, I grew up. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't a matter of betraying my young younger self in this specific instance. It was a betrayal to my future self. That deep down in my heart, like I knew that I wanted to spend as much time with my family as possibly could. I know that you hear this all the time from rich people way richer than me that say stuff like no one ever gets to their deathbed and says i regret not going to work nine to five every single day they always say i regret not getting to spend time with my family right right um i you know i I bought into that i still buy into that and you know just knew that that's what I wanted was to commit to a life where I could spend as much time with my family as I possibly could. That's um, what we aim for. Yeah. And you know, that and a series of um, events in the military that um, just didn't um, give me the same, uh, I guess, um, emotional connection that I had when I was younger growing up in the military. Um, it was a different experience being an adult. Um, the things that um, I did, the things that were done to me, um, were not things that um, that conformed with what I thought the military was supposed to be. Um, so with that, and um, not wanting to leave my kids anymore, uh, I got out of the military and moved back to one of the best places I knew where I'd had the most friends that I had with my wife and my two kids, which was Arlington. Um, Started working at a law firm. Um, So I was working at a a law firm for uh, a while. And this is where the sustainability committee kind of like started painting like kind of my mentality of uh, a community that's the one thing that I think that that beat really did instill in me I don't know if it did the same to you I know it's kind of like a a weird thing to say but I started learning then when I had to do like research on what sustainability even was Um, like as far as in terms of journalistic um, stories and stuff like that um about my responsibility, my civic responsibility, if you will. Um, so uh, after the military, I came back, went to this law firm. And this is also where I, I get back to that weird little bit about the those guys in the van. Yeah. Right? So um, uh, for a while, while I was living here, if you would have tried to look for me on Facebook, you would have found that... Um, Chase, like the bank, Webster, was dead. I had no Facebook profile. I did not exist. And the reason for that is that 
I used to be the kind of person that would just like accept everybody. Like people would be like, I want to be your friend. I'd be like, cool, we're friends. Da 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 da. Like, whatever. And I didn't know anything about it. Well, I had accepted one friend, and I don't know how long I had accepted him, but it had been a while. He had infiltrated my entire life and my community. Right? Okay. Before one day, he sends me a direct message that's extremely threatening about how I ruined his life. And the reason that I had ruined his life was because he went to go get a job and had passed all the interviews and stuff like that. He was going in on the day that he's supposed to sign the paperwork to get his job. And they show him uh, a newspaper clipping that has a police blotter on it. And that police blotter says that he was jumping out of a van, punching women in the face and stealing their purses. And the only name attached to that police blotter was guess whose? Yours. Was mine. Yeah. So he saw the police blotter, realized, I'll never get a job again, because I guess he had you know, lied in the interview, like, I'd never committed a felony. Apparently he had been in jail or prison. I don't know. What's the difference? How long do you have to be in jail before it's prison? I think uh, it's, uh, the differentiation is the facility itself. The facility itself? Well, he was, he was in one or the other. He was in lockup for the time that I was in military lockup. Same thing. We lived very parallel lives, me and this young man. He stole purses. I dropped bombs. Um, <laughs> and uh, he blamed all of his uh, misgivings on me. And basically said that he was going to come after my wife, my mother, my father, my brother, all of these people that he had had access to because of me. Like that I'd, I'd given him in and before, before that moment, I had never in my entire life thought that something from the shorthorn would come back in such a weird way. Like that was... I didn't write a whole lot of criminal stories. That was pretty much the only one during that time that was criminal, right? Mm, uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But this is this is a, a weird random thing that happened. And uh, so, you know, I did the reasonable thing, which is to report it because the guy had made actual viable threats um, to my family and stuff like that. And they, they just went and arrested him again so <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do when he gets out the next time I don't know if he's in lockup I, I can't even remember what this poor guy's name was other than uh, I ruined his life Maybe and it's best that you don't remember yeah it's probably, it's probably best that I don't remember but I can imagine like you know 10-15 years from now I'm going to you know get DM'd by someone and he's going to be like I know who you are you're the guy from dad pods that talked about this <laughs> <laughs> this guy has a vendetta. Wow. <laughs> uh, and that is why I don't use my real name on Facebook. Yeah, I, I never even for a minute considered that. Now, during uh, this time, I, I took a, a few years after he did this hiatus from 
my real name on Facebook. Um, so I started using pseudonyms. I do have pseudonyms and pen names now all over the, the internet. This is the guy that inspired it. <laughs> what is you this? know, you, you, I do too. I do too. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely do. I've four. I have four. I, I don't have four. I don't have four, I don't think. No, I, I just have three. I know for sure. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. I have five. I couldn't keep up with five. I have three, and that includes my real name, which is like the bank. Well, my five includes my <laughs> real name. <laughs> yeah, my... Except, uh... Anyway. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I hope that this, you know, guy that was a, a purse phone snatcher, I think he was a phone snatcher. Um, I didn't remember anything about this guy at all. I'm telling you, like, I remember that I wrote a couple. I mean, these were like, uh, it was a paragraph of my life of just like, so and so got assaulted got their phone stolen by a van or three people in a van on such and such street. That's like the entirety of those stories. Like they were very, very short. And then the police blotters literally just like the police write it. You just put it in the newspaper. Yeah. That's pretty much what the police blotter is. Yeah. I I remember doing that. It was a pain. Yeah. It's, it's a pain, but I mean like, it's not like, like dude, I didn't ruin your life. This stuff is going to be in the newspaper regardless of who's attached to the newspaper. Like, like, I'm sorry that there's a thing called the news. I don't know if he expected that he was going to get out and no one would remember. I I don't don't know. I don't know how that, that works. I mean, if you look at it, people honestly do think that people just forget the news. I had never heard, and I'm sure this happens to other people in the news, but I had never personally heard of um, someone who's, you know, in a negative type of story, especially a crime story, um, getting mad at the news person if it's just a factual story. Like an opinion piece, I could see. But just like a this was in the news. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but I went from uh, the 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 um, law firm and uh, then, then got out of that, was doing kind of um, some service-oriented type stuff when all of this horrible parasite plague infestation happened. And uh, got back in touch with Mark Bauer. Because um, apparently Mark Bauer is uh, kind of the glue that holds you and I together. If anything happens to Mark Bauer, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> but but uh, Mark Bauer, is uh, he's very uh, politically active and um, was extremely active in um, helping Texas in the response to COVID-19. And, um, you know, I... I uh, for many reasons, can't help as much as I would like to. Um, but I did want to help him. 
um, I, I'd support Mark Bauer to the end of the earth just because he's the kind of uh, just friendly guy that you just want to do stuff for. You want him to succeed for whatever reason. That's and, a very accurate description of Mark. Yeah, um, so... Uh, I mean, he's, he's running for Congress, and I'm not even in his district, and I, I'm like, hey... Mark Bauer. <laughs> yeah, what, what can I do? What can I do for Mark Bauer? Um, but yeah, when he was doing this, the, the COVID thing, um, I you know started uh, you know chiming in when I could. I think that is that where you ran into me again? Yeah, you commented on something. I don't even remember what it was, but I was like, hey, that's Chase. <laughs> yeah. So, and, I sent and that a was message. that was what almost ten years after the last time that we had seen each other talked or anything aside from apparently one time at best buy except for the one time at best buy yeah and, and what's really interesting about it is like during that time we still had like mutual friends in each other's orbit like shannon mm-hmm. uh somehow somehow that guy became uh, a, a go-between <laughs> i don't know how that happened that guy <laughs> that guy that guy uh, Shannon's uh, been a really good friend of mine for almost just as long. Yeah, he's a good um, guy. I, I'll give him all the crap in the world, but he's a good guy. Yeah, uh, he he's uh, helped me through a lot of stuff. You know, sometimes just uh, emotionally, but you know, sometimes just like, you know, hey man, I need someone to help me do X, Y, or Z, and he's always been there for me to to help in those situations um he's just uh been a good friend and he's also seen you know probably more of the good and bad in me than most and is one of the the people that stick around i think that everyone has one of those where it's like you can let your shields down and just be a really crappy person and this is the one person who's going to be able to take it and still roll with you the next day. Um, there, there are other people in my life that I'm like, I can't be as ugly in front of as I can in front of Shannon. And that's an important trait. I know it sounds weird, but it's like, it's an important trait that I have a friend who being uh, a punching bag. Like I, I, I don't want to say he's a punching bag, but I think uh, it's more of it's, it's really important to have a friend, you know, kids these days call him the ride or die friend. Um, but I think, I think what that really means is, uh, you know, this is the friend that's going to say, okay, I saw, I saw the bad. Uh, so why don't we try and, why don't we try and get you out of that? Yeah. And that's, that's a real friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, we also had the benefit of living close to each other, um, for time. And I think that that helped um, with the seeing the bad and having to deal with it. Yeah. You know, like when you're neighbors with somebody and, you know, they're out, you know, passed out, naked, drunk. You kind of have to help them because you're going to see them the next day anyway. <laughs> I guess. So uh, maybe maybe that helped. I don't know. But he's he's just been a friend and... Uh, I mean, that's basically what, what brings us to here, um, at least on, on, on my end of it. Well, I mean, my story is 
significantly less interesting. Um, uh, I worked at Best Buy for three years, and um, the first two and a half years it was great. The last six months or so was horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, particularly due to a particular manager that I'm not going to go into detail on that, but needless to say, we're not fond of each other. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't regret my time at Best Buy at all. Some of the, just like, uh, just like the Shorthorn, I've carried some very good friendships, uh, from there. Um, my very, very dear friend, Carly, um, if you if you do see on my Facebook page, I actually list her as my sister because she's just that dear to me. Um, and then you know, uh, Carly's oldest daughter. I was there uh, when she was born. Um, I was one of the first people to hold her. She is my goddaughter, and oh, wow. uh, I love her to death. Um, and then you know, my friend Jose and his wife and their daughter. Olivia, um, Carly's younger daughter is named Olivia. There's a lot of those. There's a lot of Olivias. Uh, I've uh, never met one. Right. Not one. Not a, <laughs> not a single one. Right. Um, I mean, these are these are friends that I that I, I I'm going to cherish permanently, you know, for the rest of my life, um, and the relationships there. Um, my daughter Kaylee is the same age as Jose's daughter Olivia. And they call each other best friends, even though they're only three and don't know what that means. Uh, and it's it's really entertaining, um, and it's really cool. Uh, so, I mean, I've I've made friends. Uh, I mean, there's there's others, but I've made friends that I'm that I'm always going to have uh, these very important relationships. Um, there. Now, most importantly. It was through my goddaughter and Carly that I met my wife. Um, I I very distinctly remember um, I was at work one day, and my goddaughter comes running around the corner and runs up to give me a hug. I'm talking to a customer, and uh, she trips and falls, and I go and I pick her up, and the customer's like, um, you're just picking up someone's child. And I'm like, no, this is, this is my goddaughter. I'm sorry. <laughs> she just fell on her face. And, you know, um, and then here comes Carly behind her. And then a few minutes later, Carly's walked off. I've got my goddaughter. And what I didn't know is that the next person that walked around the corner was going to one day be my wife. Um, my wife used to be my goddaughter's nanny. Um, so uh, that's how I that's how I met her. I distinctly remember the first thing that I said to her was, uh, my goddaughter had some keys, and I knew they weren't Carly's. I looked at them, I looked at her, and I said, whose keys are these? So the first, the first words that I said to my wife. <laughs> whose keys are these? The best pickup line ever. <laughs> uh, no, uh, she. Uh, I actually Pickable. didn't see her again or talk to her again for about a week, mm-hmm. and Carly was having a. Uh, I think it was a engagement slash housewarming party, um, with a jerk that abused her. 
they don't they're not together anymore but um thank god but it was celebration for all of that um and i show up and doing you know what i normally do hanging out with everybody um and i i i see the nanny come in again and i'm like oh okay she's here we sit and talk for a little while and then uh right before she leaves she's like um so we could exchange phone numbers if you want (laughs) nice and i'm like okay i was like what uh i knew her name kelsey and i was like what's your last name and she says bogus i'm sorry what was that a real her real last name? That that is her real maiden name, Bogus. Nice. Bogus. Yep. Uh, that was probably fun to explain all the time. Yeah, and she insisted on hyphenating her last name. By the yeah. way, I uh, I cautioned her against it because um, it's ridiculously long. It is you know Bogus Mustunser. Yeah. Try spelling that every time. Uh, but. I uh, I affectionately call her fake Mustunser. <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah, when, um, when uh, Nikki and I decided to get married, uh, I discussed with her that you know we didn't have to take my last name; we could take whatever last name that she wanted. I was like, I don't care. We can make up a another name if you want. Um, but she she thought that Webster was cool, I guess. No. Yeah, apparently. Kelsey didn't want to stick with a name she couldn't pronounce. Yeah. Well, Nikki's maiden name is um, Parasawan, and her name um, is not hyphenated now. Basically, she uses Parasawan as uh, almost a middle name now because she didn't have a middle name. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty common. Uh, my dad doesn't have a middle name as well. Yeah. So. Um, but it's just a... Uh, it, you know, it was a it was an interesting situation uh, meeting her that way, and then, um, you know, she's she was still she was still my goddaughter's nanny when we started dating, and there would be times when she would be like, "Look, I have this thing going on. Carly wants Kinsler at this time because she's not off yet. Can you, you know, can you come pick her up?" and and take her to Carly and I'm like I I guess and then when Carly would inevitably and understandably get frustrated with that um Kelsey's also understandable response to that was well I left her with her godfather (laughs) (laughs) so that was a that was a fun one to be in the middle of um it, it 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 never became any any real fight. It was just kind of amusing. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, uh, I want to say it was 2015, June 2015. Um, I it, we hadn't quite been dating a year, but I already knew. You know, I was I was gonna, I'm going to marry this girl, um, and I knew that for her birthday. The year before, her ex had given her a breakup note. Oh, um, wow. So I said, you know what? 
I am going to make this a special, special birthday because after last year's, she deserves something, something good. Um, so my solution was I took her to Colorado, um, and I proposed to her on top of Pike's Peak. That's pretty impressive. Really, it's a, it was a cabin on Pike's Peak, but you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) so, I mean, that was a, that was a phenomenal trip. Uh, the interesting thing was, uh, I didn't know this, but the ring that I had picked out for her, she had seen on a website like three months prior and screenshotted it as the ring she would like to have. So I think I did well. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, since we, uh, obviously we have the, our older daughter, Kaylee, um, ever so delightfully, she happened on our honeymoon. Um, we, uh, to keep with the, the mountain theme, or maybe I should just say the rocks, uh, our honeymoon was at Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico. (laughs) Love it there. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so we joke around and call Kaylee our, our cave girl. She was made in a cave. (laughs) Not literally, but you know. (laughs) Come on. TMI here, man. TMI. Uh, no, but, uh, so, you know, we, uh, when she, when Kaylee was about, she was, she had just turned, she See, it was 2018. So she had just turned one. Yeah, she had just turned one. And uh, Kelsey and I found out that we were expecting again. I was very, very, very excited about that. Yeah. Um, a month and a half later, uh, we, went, we went to the doctor uh, for the checkup. And... Uh, they couldn't find the heartbeat. Um, so after a couple of, after a couple of days and repeated visits, uh, when I was looking at the ultrasound, I, I, I noticed this. So I had a, I had a suspicion, uh, but obviously not being a doctor, I wasn't sure. Um, but her OB confirmed that we had miscarried twins. Oh no. Um, and that was when we found out for sure that it was, twins um that put us through a pretty impressively rough patch um i can't even imagine yeah you don't want to imagine um but uh you know since then we've gotten we've gotten through things and we have our our baby summer our little girl our little duck. Yeah, happy family. That's right. <laughs> Who inexplicably for her first choice of toys because you know most of the time with when they're less than a year and a half mm-hmm. you present them with a couple of toys and they just pick one randomly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, "Okay, you can have that whatever." Um we were walking around Sam's the other day. 
and I was just walking on by, and she saw the baby Yoda toy, and she points at it, and she goes, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Has to have it. Has to have it. And now... Won't let it go? Won't let it go. And... We had to go to Target today to buy these shiny new mi- microphones, and we walked past a little bundle that has a stuffed Baby Yoda and a blankie. She has to have those and now, she too. she has to have those now, too. <laughs> that sounds like the, the perfect thing for your kid to be going around with. Right? That's perfect. And because because her sister got something, uh, Kaylee wanted a toy, and I'm so proud because the toy that she chose was Miss Marvel. Nice, nice. Yeah, uh, Charlotte recently picked out a toy which was um, uh, Spider Gwen, mm-hmm. and so so she's been going around with her her Spider Gwen Barbie that she picked out so our kids are definitely uh they're 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 definitely our kids i think yep, it's yep. Pr- pretty safe to say um and then you know bring us all back to to dad pods um i have to ask you this uh this is kind of your brainchild i would say um you know when we got back in touch um you know we you know, quickly just got back into like, you know, what are you doing? Um, what kind of ideas that you have? And, and you gave me this list of just stuff that you're working on. Um, you've ideas just, that I've got. Yeah, ideas that you've got. And, and uh, I'm glad that you did because this has been pointed out um, several times in the last uh, few weeks that um, you do the lists and the schedules and the calendars <laughs> And, and all of that type of stuff. And uh, I, for being a writer, I don't write down much. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's a professional writer who doesn't write. Um, hey, whatever your methods are. You know, my, my, I, I keep it all up here, man. It's all up here. But anyway, you showed me this, this list. And one of the things that was on the list, um, if I remember correctly, it just said podcast. Right? Didn't. Didn't have uh, a, a lot of details behind it. Actually, you know what? I have the original document. Let me uh, let me take a look at this and say exactly what it said. Oh, I should have I, prepped you. I believe. I believe what I actually said was. Um, nerd a casual, podcast. casual uh, nerd a podcast. podcast for casual nerds. There you go. There you go. And and I, when I got to that particular bit that I lit up. That I was like, hey, I'm a nerd, and I could pretend to be casual. (laughs) (laughs) I could dress it down. Um, Tell me how this came to be, man. Well, I've I've, honestly, I've uh, not been... I I have never actually listened to a full podcast, so... um, until we started until we started recording and it's kind of it's kind of interesting that the idea came to me but I, I thought you know what if what if there's a community for people who you know don't have the time 
to do all the super nerdy stuff. What if what if we built a community around them? I I I dig it. I I remember I I lit up with it. Unlike you, I actually um did listen to podcasts, but the podcast that I would typically listen to would be more um I listen to to language casts um trying to learn a different language for instance. Okay. Um so it wasn't like any particular subject that I knew of. I was just trying to learn the language of the people that were speaking. Um but then I, you know, also listen to gamer podcasts all the time or nerd podcasts all the time. So I'm not really a, a stranger to um nerd podcasts it's 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 kind of been a a thing that i've listened to for a long time what made you think of this dad pod so i uh i'm a parent obviously (laughs) um and i recognized that you know five years ago six years ago um before i started dating my wife because my oldest he's my stepson um i claim him i love him um but it is what it is he was three years old when i started dating his mom um i had a lot more time to go and you know hang out with my buddies play pool play video games do all night gaming sessions playing through the latest raid in world of warcraft or you know, whatever I, whatever game I was playing at the time, I could stay up all night playing stuff. I could stay up all night binge uh, binge watching some TV show or whatever. It doesn't matter. I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I have other responsibilities. Um, and I started thinking, like, you know, whenever you see a review on IGN, and for the record, I love IGN. Uh, they're one of the first places I go to. For news and definitely the first place I go to for video game reviews because I tend to agree with their reviews. Mm-hmm. But when they start getting down into the nitty gritty of the review, they're talking about a lot of the stuff that you know the the hardcore gamers like. And I started to realize that because I don't have the time, I don't care about. <laughs> All the PvP stuff in the latest Call of Duty. Honestly, I barely care about the the latest Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have fun playing through the story when the story looks interesting. Uh, everybody hates Advanced Warfare. I still think it's the best story in a Call of Duty game. Period. Um, <laughs> the Advanced Warfare. Yeah, the one with Kevin Spacey. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I actually have not played a Call of Duty game since the the airport massacre scene um i think that was the first call of duty modern warfare it could have been the second i i have no idea um that's and that's kind of the problem is advanced warfare is the best one because it's actually memorable every other one uh might have a memorable scene here or there but it's completely forgettable yeah, well, I think that like the airport one was probably the first like hugely controversial scene out of the Call of Duty games. Like before that, they were pretty close to just like you're a hero during war, like that's your character, war hero. 
and this particular game had you play one scene from the perspective of the terrorists where you start out in an elevator the doors open yeah. and you're just gunning down innocent people that are unarmed yeah i could see that being very controversial and surprisingly yeah. not banned yeah. And, um, and 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 you could choose not to shoot them, but you could not choose not to participate in that. Like you couldn't just kill the terrorists in the elevator. You could just walk around and watch them shooting everybody if that's what you were into. But it was basically terrorist simulator mission. And uh, when I saw that, and they tried to play it off by saying that the character that you were portraying was undercover. And they didn't want to blow their cover. They were a U.S. military undercover. And for me, having grown military, um, and you know, with with what my dad actually did in the military, it was uh, the scene of just kind of unbelievable grotesqueness that painted the military in a light that. I was like, look, the military is not the most innocent, wonderful place in the world. It is the military. But I find it hard to believe that we would ever send a military soldier into a situation where we're going, pretend to be a terrorist, and for our country, you're going to murder innocent civilians. That's your job. And it just ended the series right there for me. Well... I can I can understand that completely. I didn't play that game because I have no recollection of that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played the first Call of Duty that I really played through the story and enjoyed was Call of Duty Modern Warfare Three. Um, it, it, the the thing is like what I was saying is that you know you have all these Call of Duty games and people talk about well what about zombies what about this that and the other and I was like you know what there's not a there's not a source of information there's not a source of reviews um, there's not a community for the casual gamer all I see is stuff for the hardcore gamer the people that um, in my clan on destiny they call them tryhards and i love it (laughs) um you know there's 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 communities for all of them but for someone like me there's not and so the idea came from came from that it was i want a community for people like me who have more responsibilities than just playing video games yeah, and and I also like your idea behind this because uh, before, you know, I always thought that casual gamer was like some sort of insult, and I felt like I I had to put an extra effort to try to be a hardcore gamer, but I'm not competitive at games. I don't play enough consistently of any one game to be really particularly good at it. So my perspective, like yours, being a father, has always been like, I guess I'm a casual gamer. I just didn't want to admit it, I guess. But then you kind of admitted it for me, and I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, yes that's, all that's right. what I am. Okay, that's what I am. I'm, yeah, I'm good. Like, that's, this, is, this is what I am, and this is something that I want to do. So I'm, uh, 
I think that that's a, a pretty cool kind of way that we've kind of closed our journey on starting this thing. Yeah, now's the now's been the fun part of trying to get everything figured out. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm sure that we still have some bumpy roads ahead of us there. Um, but we have a great new coordinator. We do, we do. And so let's talk a little bit about our new coordinator. Um, so at the beginning of this, uh, the story of our origins, um, I mentioned uh, Jennifer Ofsted. At the beginning of the story, I mentioned it was Jennifer Penny when I first met her. She was um, with her now husband, Chris Ofsted. Uh, they've been together since longer than I've known her, known you. We've known each other. They they've been a couple but they they finally got married and they have a, a kiddo of their own and uh i've worked with her before on the movie project which she's going to be very upset that i can't remember the title of <laughs> and uh now she has graciously um kind of been helping us with um starting our project off um and, and you got a, a new title for her. Yep. Coordinator. Because that's what she's doing. She's, she's, <laughs> she's, she's coordinating. She is, uh, like you, um, very good with lists. Mm-hmm. I've noticed. <laughs> uh, but, she's, but she's also got you know a, a lot of other strengths. She's doing a, a lot of other stuff for us. I, I'd like you to talk about what she's doing because uh, you know, I'll just kind of embarrass myself. And um, <laughs> not not being a, a hundred percent sure of of all the tasks that you guys talked about today. All right, so um, obviously everybody at this point has seen our beautiful logo as drawn uh, by my son, uh, and it's not going anywhere. Um, but we do recognize that sometimes it's a little bit unwieldy when we're uh, using it. So uh, we are in the process of developing a more streamlined logo. Uh, and that is something that Jennifer is doing for us. That's not really a coordinator job when per se, but uh, she volunteered and I said, go for it. <laughs> um, but the biggest thing that she's doing is she's paying attention to the analytics that we're receiving and seeing where the content that you guys like um, is. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, it helps us find out what you guys want to see from us. Um, in fact, I, I believe the whole idea of doing the Origins episode was hers. Yes, absolutely, 100%. Um, she said that um, she, she's also a pretty big uh, podcast listener. Um, and got back in touch with us listening to our podcast, actually, which is pretty cool. Um, sent me some messages uh, about her, her thoughts on, on things. And she said that she listens to a lot of podcasts, but the ones that are most successful, they tell you who it is that you're listening to. And we apparently had failed to do that. So hopefully that has now been reconciled. 
who you're listening to and why we're doing it. And now you know both. Yeah, now now you know um, know both of those things. So as you as you see um, more consistent content, uh, more as uh, more accessible, more enjoyable, probably uh, content over the next few weeks and going forward. Um, you could thank our wonderful coordinator, Jennifer Alfstadt, for that. Yeah. And, and Je- Jennifer Alfstead. Jennifer Alfstead for that. Yeah, and Sorry, uh, Jennifer. for all I know, she's going to, to message me and say that I got her name wrong too. Um, <laughs> hopefully that's, that's not the case. I know that she's going to be mad that I got the, the I forgot uh jay's uh movie title um and and i i had planned it before coming in here and i should have written it down but i'm not the guy that writes things down i'm the guy that forgets uh so forgive me uh but anyway uh, I, I we would really like you to take the time to write us your comments and uh you know, tell us what you want to listen to or tell us what you're into, tell us what your kids are into, all that kind of stuff. Either I'm going to read it or Ollie's going to read it or guaranteed that, that um, Jennifer's going to read it and get it back to us and make sure that we're addressing stuff on the show and improving it for the listeners. So you know, keep that in mind that there are you know, three people here that are listening, listening. to what you say um, and only one of them is forgetting. Which no. one? That's me. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I'm reading it. I'm reading it. You know, I, I have mental illness, people. I have mental illness. Um, <laughs> do, we, do we have time to get into some of uh, the, the news stories today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me get our, our list up here. So, yeah, so, so the, the first big one that... Um, I mean, this has been news all year. It's hopefully not going to be news forever, but it's going to be news for a while. And that's delays, delays, delays. We have had, uh, I think that, that the list that you were looking at had hundreds of... Um, of over, uh, over 50, definitely. O- over maybe 50, 100. Maybe 100. Um, since the... Um, first outbreak of, of COVID, the first shutdowns. It's been a lot. Um, most recently, we've heard Jurassic World 3 is getting moved. Um, the Batman and Dune are now moved to 2022. Is that right? Uh, Dune, I think, is still next year. Uh, Batman as well. Jurassic World 3, uh, they just had to halt production, so it's definitely been delayed. Definitely been delayed. Um... The one that's a surprise that um, no one really thought would ever be delayed, um, Avatar. <laughs> yeah, no one thought that would be delayed. It's only no, been 11 that, years since the first one. <laughs> and, and we were all very convinced that they were going to nail their planned release date from the get-go. You know, it's funny to me that Avatar keeps getting delayed. <laughs> First off, he's you know that was a refreshing soda. <laughs> First off, that was really loud. 
I Second. <laughs> Second. Um, James Cameron in- intends to release four Avatar movies uh, by 2027. Or sorry, 2028 now. So that's, uh, that's one every two years. Um, interestingly enough, it has been 11 years since the last one came out. So if he can't even make a second one in 11 years, I really don't think that we're going to have all five. Well, rumor has it that he filmed these movies decades ago. <laughs> decades ago. He is just waiting for the opportune moment to, <laughs> to drop them... Uh, no, but seriously, they, he did he did film these in tandem, correct? Uh, he has, they or just just two of them. Yeah, they announced the last week, maybe, that they completed principal filming on the sequel, Avatar Two, and that production has begun on the third one. Yeah. Well, I know that the demand for Avatar is huge. People have really, really been dying to know what happens after Avatar 1. Um, I was happy with the first one. Like, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble keeping it together. I don't think that people, people have really been dying to see these movies. So uh, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, Hopefully, when they are released, it's everything that James Cameron hopes them to be. Um, I'm, I'm honestly, uh, I might do a rant rant on this one of these days. I'm not the biggest James Cameron fan. <laughs> uh, I know that he's done some of the the most uh, popular movies and has, you know, made some more money than almost any other director ever for them all right but uh you know so as as previously mentioned uh i did go to film school <laughs> yeah briefly uh, i i really enjoy james cameron's films um the problem with his films are they are astonishingly he good he didn't write them as the problem i don't care about that <laughs> uh, i'm a writer of course i care uh, I don't care about that because he's a director. Yeah, but but he's also a writer, but he is uh, not writing his films. I don't know if you caught what I was saying. Yeah. Um, it's all right. But it's all right. No, no, I'm just saying, like, there's no in between on his movies. It's either that was really good. And let's be honest, Avatar actually is a very solid movie. However, I think that it is cinematically incredible for its time. And it has a compelling story. Yes, it's a story that's been told 50,000 times, but it, it is still a compelling story. It was, it was well written. It was an excellent piece of cinematography. Uh, it is visually stunning. It's a brilliant piece of work. However, it is a self-contained story. That's the end. Leave it alone. There, there, there you go. There's, there's um, just not, there's not demand for uh, the sequel. I'm not saying that I, I have not enjoyed uh, James Cameron movies. I've probably enjoyed every James Cameron movie. Uh, I'm just bitter because I'm not rich and famous. You know what I love that's, about that's James it. Cameron the most, though? It's not his directing. It's his humility. Is, 
<laughs> not that either. Uh, he is he is an explorer, man, and he has he has thrown so much money into expeditions. Um, you know, mm-hmm. um, oh man, um, you know, uh, marine archaeology. He's thrown a lot of money into marine archaeology, um, and that's awesome stuff. Um, I remember watching uh, a documentary, and I, I honestly think he was on the set of Avatar 2. But the guy that he has tasked with doing the research and going to the places, because he can't go there, um, doing this expedition that he is funding, uh, just kind of walks up onto the set and is like, What's up, James? <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, all right, everybody, hold on. And he just walks off and talks to him. And then uh, he's like, yeah, I think you really ought to come out to see this thing that we found. It's pretty cool. And it would be nice to have you there for this one. So he just walks back into the set and he's like, I'll be back, guys. Uh, You know what to do. And leaves. Nice. And I'm just like, "Uh, really, dude? (laughs) So if anybody wants to know why avatar 2 took 11 years and why i don't believe that he'll have five movies done by 2028 is because james cameron would rather be at the bottom of the ocean than making a movie (laughs) and i think that there are a few people who also wish him to be at the bottom of the ocean uh honestly I'm, i'm not one of them i'm not i'm not i give him a hard time uh his movies are great his documentaries uh, are great. You know, it's it's just he's not making the movies we want him to make. He's making the movies that he wants to make, and he should be respected for that. I just don't. <laughs> um, another movie that was delayed um, uh, multiple Fast, times. Fast, Fast and Furious Nine. Fast Nine has been been delayed. Um. I, I think that uh, you pointed out to me um, the the joke on Free Guy, the uh, uh, trailer that features him crossing his fingers. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Free Guy, we posted the trailer on the dadpods.com. Um, uh, on, um, on it on wasn't the their... trailer released the other day. Uh, no, this was, was the original trailer. The, it was the one released over the summer, so... The 1.5 trailer. Yeah. The 1.5 trailer um, shows him uh, crossing his fingers next to the date. Um, now, was that date, do you recall, December 11th? It was. It was. So they are still on schedule. They have not delayed yet, Free Guy. And hopefully they don't because um, out of a lot of the movies that I've seen the trailers for recently, that's uh, one of the top ones that I want to see. It's a new IP, um, and it's, it's going to be hopefully perfect for nerds about an NPC who discovers um, that he is an NPC in a video game. Yeah. Played by Ryan Reynolds. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds uh, playing a character that is aware of being a character. What what else do you do that in? Green Lantern, you said? Yeah, Green Lantern. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. He was great in that. Yes, he was. In other news, we've got new shots fired in the console war. Um, tell me about what's going on here. 
so honestly this is just hilarious to me there there's been so much uh trash talking mm-hmm. between microsoft and sony and at this point it's so ridiculous that i honestly have to think that they're just messing with each other they're it's it's playful it's not even you know um and it seems like the two companies have a really good relationship now and i'm actually really re- really glad to see that um but this commercial was hilarious sony is talking about uh different features on the uh, on the playstation and they're doing like a demo of how some of the stuff's going to work and one of the things that they're talking about is transitioning it from the vertical position to the horizontal position and mm-hmm. it is a ridiculous long process you have to unscrew the uh the vertical stand and then screw the the like put the screw inside the stand or something and then you know stuff i will never do and it's like nobody's ever gonna do this this is (laughs) ridiculous so microsoft in response puts out a video that says this is how you switch our console from vertical to horizontal he picks it up sets it on its side and sets it down Here's here's kind of because like, I'm trying to I'm trying to picture this, but the funny thing to me is that the the Xbox console is almost not quite, but almost a cube. Yep. So it's not that big a difference. I mean, like, at fun- least it's finally living up to its name. It's funny, but it's 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 just the you know it, it just cracks me up. It also reminds me of the um, the dig that Sony did back when the PS3 and the um, Xbox One were initially announced. Um, you mean the announced. PS, PS4 and Xbox One? Was it the PS4 and Xbox One? Yeah, yeah where, where the Xbox One was like... Um, had this whole issue of like how you share games with each other. Right? And, and this was back when they were trying to do it like this digital platform and people just weren't buying it. They were like, no, no. We've got to have discs. Um, where they said that you, like, you basically had to digitally download the game and then have the disc in the system and so that if you gave the disc to somebody else, it, they couldn't use it, if you remember right. that. And people panicked. And so PlayStation 4 comes out with a commercial where they said, how do you let your friends borrow your games with the PlayStation 4? And it was just one guy handing a PlayStation 4 game to the other. And that was the whole commercial. <laughs> it's just, here you go. So it's kind of a, a refreshing dig that Microsoft's on the other side of that now. And like I said, it all seems so playful. It, it, they've they've got to be doing this all in jest, and it's hilarious. Yeah. I I, I hope so. I hope that they continue their kind of good relationship rivalry yeah because we've been starting to see um the companies kind of loosen up on issues that we've had in the past of like cross play and stuff like that i'm really hoping that this generation's the generation where we're not so concerned about what console each of your friends has that you're still going to be able to play each other like that's kind of the dream right yeah like that you know, if if you get, you know, Call of Duty on your console of choice, and I get it on my console of choice, that we can still shoot each other. 
So hopefully they, they hear that and they roll with it because that's, I think, what the people want. Well, and uh, it's interesting you say that because if you look at the newest Call of Duty, it actually says at the top, Crossplay Edition on the PlayStation Store. Now, does that particularly mean that it's cross-play with all devices, though? Uh, there are games on the PlayStation that are cross-play compatible. Um, and it looks like Mod- uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the one that came out last year, uh, is going to be converted to Call of Duty. Um, and I believe uh, Cold War is as well. All right, well... Yep, it will have cross-platform play. So, it's starting. Let's let's certainly hope that they continue their relationship then. Because it would be a shame for them to start doing this stuff and then take it away. Uh, I think that gamers have been demanding it for a while, and I think that gamers kind of deserve to be able to play with each other without having to commit to a console that they might not want. Uh, I have a lot of friends that I want to play video games with, and they're like, well, I have Xbox. And I'm like, well, I have an Xbox too, but I don't have that game on Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not asking for cross-buy. You know, we don't want to, like, rip off one console by, you know, buying it on the other and then playing it on yours. Just asking to be able to play with our friends. Yeah, we just want to be able to play with our friends. That's it. Play with our friends without them having to to go and fork over another 600 bucks 660 bucks for the game too you know yep. um, so, so uh, yep I want to introduce our next two topics because okay. you have had a rant about both of them oh no okay uh, and that's gonna be a lot of fun uh, the first <laughs> one is Jamie Fox is coming back. As Electro. Uh, that has huh. been confirmed now. It's not a rumor anymore. Yeah. Now, uh, the, the confirmation does come with Jamie Foxx apparently said, that I'm not going to play the blue Electro. Uh, well, he said he's not going to be blue. Maybe he's, like, do you think it's still going to be the same? Ugh. Like continuity um (laughs) okay so so you know we've already heard your opinion yeah um this is what i think jk simmons is coming back as j jonah jameson because there is nobody else that can play that role he i I swear that man was born to play j jonah jameson i can't imagine anybody else (laughs) fair enough i mean like, they didn't even have J. Jonah Jameson in the Amazing Spider-Man movies because they were just like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, what's yeah. going to top that? Um, yeah, and then, I, when, then they, they did bring him back, and it was... Uh, I, I think that the audience was reacted excited. very warmly to him coming back. Yeah. Um, but so, he, he played almost like an alternate universe version of himself, though, don't you think? And, yeah, and that's okay. But here's the deal. Does Jamie Foxx's Electro have that kind of love? 
Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx has that kind of love, but we're not talking about Jamie Foxx alone. Um, you know, I'm talking about J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. People loved it to the point mm-hmm. that nobody could think of anybody better, and Marvel just kind of went, all right, come on back. Um, does Jamie Foxx as Electro have the same kind of love? As far as I can tell, he's pretty much universally hated in that role. Yeah, um, I've I've read a few opposing arguments of people that really really liked him in that role. It's not poorly acted. I will nope, give him that. It is not not poorly acted. Jamie Fox is incapable of putting in a phoned-in performance. I believe that wholeheartedly. That everything that he does is going to be just very very well done. But that said, he was not a great fit for Electro, and that was not a very good version of Electro. Uh, I really like the version in, in the comics where he is a, a lineman and um, you know gets struck by lightning while working on power lines, uh, but just happens to be. Um, at some sort of you know lo- location, kind of you know like like um, uh, they mentioned briefly in Amazing Spider-Man Two, um, like an Oscor type building scenario, mm-hmm. where there's something magical about these specific power lines and power boxes he's working on when he's struck by lightning, and it creates a mutagenic reaction that creates his his powers i don't know how it works it's comic booky but i i definitely preferred that to him being like this weird almost character because i know that he still like worked on power boxes and stuff uh, but he just seemed just so awkward and out of place in that movie see i Okay, so I've always thought Electro was a boring villain. He's, um, he's not exciting. I'll give you that. He's, yeah. he's not exciting, um, especially when you compare to some of Spider-Man's other, I mean, really exceptional villains. Uh, it, by and large, Spider-Man has one of the best rogues galleries in comics. Period. I agree. Um, Electro's just not not that interesting of a character. Um, and half of it comes from that ridiculous design of his costume in the comic books. The yellow and green with the sparks coming off of his... Ma- uh, the mass-shaped like sparks coming off of his head. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, contrary to most people, I actually liked the design elements... Uh, so the blue didn't bother me very much. I thought it kind of made sense. Um, I I think that the characterization as depicted in the script was not great. Yeah. Um, now, I, I watched um, Amazing Spider-Man 2 recently um, before this news broke out. Um, mm-hmm. And Amazing Spider-Man, my uh, youngest is you know I, I told you about her having Spider Gwen. She's obsessed with Spider Man. She loves Spider Man. We watch Spider Man movies a lot. Okay. Um, 
And so, you know, once she gets a chance, she'll sometimes be like, let's watch Spider-Man. Um, her favorite one is Spider-Man versus the Lizard. So Amazing Spider-Man gets watched a lot in this house. Okay. Uh, but I, I, I agree. I think that his outfit and stuff like that um, was great. I don't like the um, being able to fabricate it out of nowhere. Like when he does create a suit for himself, like a villainous suit was um, silly. Um, what I don't like is probably the same thing you don't like. Um, I don't know for the same reason, but that's that he is a um, electrical engineer and a maintainer. And in reality, that's a certain personality type that's like almost guaranteed to have that job. And Amazing Spider-Man 2 is not it. If you meet any maintainer, they are not going to be like throwing their own birthday parties. That's just not going to happen. These are crass, alcoholic, socialite people that kind of have their own sort of community and don't care what other people think. And in Amazing Spider-Man 2, they did the opposite of what I think of when I think of maintainers, electricians, you know, those types of, of people. I mean, but in fairness, we do want to avoid um, stereotyping. We do, but we you also want to, you know, they, they didn't do a great job of this in the comic books either. It might be one of the reasons why you think that he's a boring character. I think that, um, you know, electricians and maintainers are, are great and wonderful personalities, but you have to keep in mind, this is one of the most dangerous jobs in the world and if you watch movies that have um i don't know uh uh trying to think of of uh, an occupation um it's like like the bomb squad people in movies that that don't care if you die type of attitude mm -hmm. Linemen have that same type of attitude, kind of by default. They literally have the most dangerous job in the world. It's more dangerous than police. It's more dangerous than firefighters. It's, it's the most dangerous job by far in the world. So you're just not going to see a whole bunch of people that are like really into what other people think. And I mean, I know you said, you know, stereotyping, but it seems like they did the exact opposite. They did no research into what this type of human being would be like. That's reasonable. Um, uh, and, and they're, you know, he would be a really fun and interesting character if they did it right. Maybe. He might That's, still be boring. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, may, maybe, you know, the people that write comics and the people that write movies are just like, I hate these people. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, or maybe it's just too crass for comic books. Could be. I think that's a. I think that's a fair. I think that's um, a fair statement. But I mean, you could, you could tone that down and still have them be an interesting, you know, gruff, just not care what people think type of person. Um, 
you you could uh but as like as far as a villain goes i just wouldn't see them as a villain that is as self-effacing and uh just needy of social attention as they've made him in the movie he would be more hubris and I think that would make Electro more likable to me. I, I think I can get behind that. Um, now, another thing that's kind of interesting is he is technically the third person from previous non-Marvel Marvel movies that is being pulled over. Um, obviously, we already talked about J.K. Simmons. Uh-huh. Um, Ryan Reynolds is coming back to play, obviously, Green Lantern again right okay um and then (laughs) (laughs) i can't wait more green lantern and then uh you know jamie fox returning as electro yeah um now i i also read that there there are rumors about toby mcguire and andrew garfield uh reprising their spider-man roles in kind of like a a spider-man-y type into the Spider-Verse thing. Um, now, this was rumor. And, and add and to I, it that uh, Jamie Foxx posted the picture of Electro's face up in the sky and three Spider-Men uh, looking up at it. Jamie Foxx posted that? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it has been debunked. They said, well, that's fan art. Um, but... It's still a, just an interesting and random picture for him to choose to post. Yeah, he could he could be muddying the waters. My the big reason why I think that this is at least of now a rumor that I'm leaning towards. I don't think this is happening. Is that Sony went out of their way to uh, give a facelift? to the PS5 version of their Spider-Man character. And when I say this, if you were to play Spider-Man right now on PS4, you would realize that the Spider-Man that they basically modeled, the Peter Parker they basically modeled him off of, um, is Andrew Garfield. Just yeah. uh, you know, slightly older, more mature-looking, chiseled... Uh, that's just how that character kind of looks. And Sony went out of their way to go, okay, we're doing the PS5 version. Let's give them the Spider-Man that they want. And they made him look very distinctly like Tom Holland. And it's very weird when he talks because they didn't change the voice, just the face. They just gave a new face to Peter Parker. If you've been playing this game and you go and you play this new game, it's going to be like, why? Why? Like, that was such an unnecessary change. But if they felt it necessary to do that, it seems to me that they're trying to rewrite Andrew Garfield. Basically, not acknowledge him. Well, of course, you know, the reason that Sony's given for the redesign is that they wanted to make him look older, but more importantly, uh, and they wanted to make him look older because of the introduction of um, Miles Morales. But more importantly, 
um, because of the ray tracing capability of the PS4, um, the shadows looked, or the sorry, the PS5, the shadows looked funny and not right or something. So they redid the motion capture, capture with a different actor. And here is why Sony is a lying sack of doo-doo birds. Uh, <laughs> the facelift that they gave him is clearly a Tom Holland lookalike. And Tom Holland clearly does not look anywhere close to older <laughs> than, than the previous model. The previous model looks like 10 years the senior of the, the new model that they gave. I mean... For for goodness sakes, he's a no chinian who looks like he just got out of Arrested Development. Like, like I'm sorry, that's, that's no, no. Sony is lying to you. Don't believe Sony's cruel, horrible lies. They just wanted Tom Holland. That's what they wanted. They wanted Tom Holland. They wanted to just in the same way that Uncharted made their lead actress look like Ellen Page and then slightly altered her for the final version. But those original trailers, they were like, oops, we didn't mean to make it look like Ellen Page. Yes, you did. (laughs) (laughs) Don't lie to us. If you weren't trying to make him look like Tom Holland, then why out of all of the different characters and all of the different universes, you make him look like another Spider-Man that you own. <laughs> no, that's not an accident. They're dumb. Yeah. I mean, you could be right. And uh, in fairness, I think Andrew Garfield pretty much said that he was 100% never going back. Um, and Tobey Maguire has said that he is also not going back. He says he's gotten too old for it and he was too severely injured. Um, when doing the first few Spider-Man movies, uh, if they if they did injuries and stuff, if they did a bit with Tobey Maguire in like the stretchy pants and the no shoes kind of Spider-Man look that yeah. they had in Into the Spider-Verse, I'd be a hundred percent for it. I'd forgive them for all of the other stupid things that Sony does <laughs> if they if they throw that in there. So do it, Sony. Um, how about are there are there any other characters? That you would back? Well, yeah. Speaking of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, um, I uh, just like J. Uh, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. I honestly can't imagine anybody better for Doc Ock than uh, Alfred Molina. Uh, mm-hmm. The performance he turned in in Spider-Man Two. Um, I still think Spider-Man Two is one of the best comic book movies that has been made. Hundred um, percent, and as a result, I I have a particular affection for, um, you know, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. He was uh, a character that you felt for. He, um, you can tell that he was still, you know, he was still a good guy. His story was tragic, just overall well done. Yes, and he played yes. perfectly. I think that you chose the perfect person. It's really hard to even consider a possible better choice than that. I think that Alfred Molina's 
Doc Ock was the probably one of the most well cast roles in any of the superhero movies that we've seen. What about you? Um, it's tough for me to say. Um, I I want to I want Halle Berry to get another chance. Um, not as Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> make that clear and up front um, I'm sure that wasn't the movie that even she was expecting but uh, I, I think that as, as Storm uh, I really like her I think that she is a really fantastic actress and when I saw her as Storm even as a young man, I thought that she was perfect for that role. She physically looked the part. She's um, just a stunning character actress and uh, has the ability to just really draw you in with a, a really deep performance. Um, this was kind of like in the beginning when comic book movies weren't taken seriously yet. And X-Men was one of the, the movies, if not the movie, to give nerd culture to the general audience. Um, and I don't think that they took as many risks as, say, Disney would now with the property. Fair. And I, I think that if you were to give someone like that a chance now... And she would still fit perfectly as that character and just, uh, just everything about her. I, th I think that she would be perfect for it. Um, and hey, maybe she has actual white hair now. Maybe. Maybe uh, she, she wouldn't have to be aged up, <laughs> even though she's kind of aged flawlessly anyway. She really has. So. <laughs> but... Um, following on that, uh, that X-Men thing, uh, I actually, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect Patrick Stewart to come back as Professor X. Um, mm -hmm. I think his exit from the series in Logan was perfect and I wouldn't want to sully that yeah. ever. Um, however, I know I'm a minority here, but I really enjoy James McAvoy as Professor X as well. Particularly um, the questionable intentions Professor X uh, as he was portrayed in Dark Phoenix. Um, I think he'd played that very well, despite it being a not good movie. <laughs> um <laughs> If they bring back James McAvoy as Professor X, what I would ask them to do is to bring him back as Professor X or Professor X's, if you were, in the Extreme X-Men comic book series. I would die giggling if they did that because James McAvoy, as we know, can play as many characters as James McAvoy wants. He's just, he's, he's just that good. And if you're familiar with the Extreme X-Men's version of the Professor X's, um, the Extreme X-Men are uh, kind of, uh, they're different. Uh, 
right? They've got um, a Scott Summers who is um, uh, dark skinned. They have a uh, James Howlett Wolverine who is the boyfriend of uh, Hercules. Um, all with Dazzler and Nightcrawler. Um, and they are traveling through time and dimensions to stop all of the evil Professor X's, which includes a uh, Hitler, Nazi Professor X, a <laughs> Professor X who's a uh, head in a jar, a, a Professor X who is some sort of Egyptian pharaoh uh, wizard. Um, there's there's a... a that are going around and causing rifts in the space-time dimension continuum. Uh, and this might sound like I'm kidding, but this is actually, this is 100%, this is comic book stuff. I know. Right here. And, and so if they, if they did an extreme X-Men version uh, with, heck, even bring back um, Hugh Jackman and Arnold Schwarzenegger as Hercules and have them buddy up in you know a, a loving relationship because that, that's actually in my opinion the healthiest relationship that wolverine's ever had by the way him and herc man those two well uh, you know why right you know hercules if you know your mythology like everybody he marries dies horribly not in this Hercules. Because he can't. <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> Wolfred is immortal. Uh, yeah, but uh, if if you haven't read it, um, they they actually make a really really good pairing, and it's it's if you think of Wolverine as the Hugh Jackman Wolverine from all the movies and stuff like that, you might be like, what the heck are you talking about? But if you read the extreme X-Men comic books, it's actually a good pair. I don't feel the Cyclops in it, not because of the ethnic change, but because they didn't really give him anything. Um, I think you, uh, you described it when you were talking about it uh, recently. You said it was like, okay, so the Cyclops is a black guy. And nobody really acknowledges that he looks different. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like, oh, you look just like our Cyclops. And it's like, um, I, I appreciate, like, you know, I look at that and I say, you know, I really appreciate that they're, you know, trying to, what they're trying to say is that it, 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 doesn't it makes matter. no difference that he's black. And... I'm thinking, I don't know a single black person who would not be offended by that statement. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was, it was a, there's a weird moment in the Extreme X-Men where there's a crossover event where the Extreme X-Men basically meet their counterpart selves in another universe. Um, and this is like more of the X-Men that you're all aware of. And the, yeah, the writers, artists, their idea was to like have like Wolverine meet, meet Wolverine and just be like, I'm okay with the way that this Wolverine turned out. He's me. I'm him. We're Wolverine. Um, 
Nightcrawler meets himself and he's like, he's a little bit younger than me, but you know, we're both Nightcrawler kind of a thing. Um, and, and they do that with each character and then completely don't acknowledge Cyclops at all. Neither Scott Summers speaks to each other and nobody speaks of him, but they went out of their way to do that with every other character. And it was a very weird moment. It was almost like they just, they, they didn't have anywhere to go. That was my issue. Um, like they, they had a good artist, but the writer wasn't there with the material. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Hitler, Xavier, make it happen. That's right. <laughs> Do and, it. Just... And, uh, you know, just as another point, um, they're doing this uh, Hellstrom TV series mm-hmm. um, that is apparently tied to the MCU somehow. Um, and I would love it since, you know, they're going Darkhold and Midnight Suns and all that with this, uh, if we got Sam Elliott back playing the Wild West Ghost Rider. Oh, oh, I do remember. That's from the first Ghost Rider movie, right? Uh, maybe. I thought it was the it, second one. But... Was it? I don't remember much about the second one. Most people don't. But he's the one that was riding him on the horse. Yep. Because he's Sam Elliott. Because he's Sam Elliott. Because he's Sam Elliott. With his killer stash. I'd be down with that. I'd be down with that. Don't know about Nicolas Cage. All right, so. On to the next rant. All right, and you said, yeah, one more rant rant? Yep, let's talk about Resident Evil. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So. Yeah, it's like um, that. Um, Okay, so. Uh, last week when we talked about it, uh, we didn't have a trailer for uh, Into Infinite Darkness. Um, I would argue that we still don't have much of a trailer. Doesn't doesn't give us a whole lot to go off of. No, uh, but it. I can tell you that visually, it's quite pretty. Yeah, and this is this is the digital one. Right um, now, I know that there was confusion when I. Uh, was ranting about Resident Evil. Was this today? That was today. It, it was today, wasn't it? It's yeah. been. It's been. <laughs> so when I was ranting about Resident Evil, that you thought, maybe thought that I was talking about Infinite Darkness, uh, uh, which I, I did mention it at some point. Yeah, I, I didn't. Um, I just wasn't paying attention to what I was typing. Uh, I got you. Uh, just to clarify. Uh, in, in case I wasn't clear enough in the video, they're, they're doing so much Resident Evil. And one of the things is they're, they're rebooting the movie franchise. So this is a live action movie. Yes. Right. And what you have, uh, I didn't have other than that it was coming is the cast is up. Right. Um, and uh, no, it will not, it will not star. Mila Jovovich, or uh, Mila Jovovich, like you you said. No, oh, did so, I pronounce her? So <laughs> eloquently. Did I pronounce her name wrong? Yeah, but you you kind of made a you kind of made a joke of it. You're like Mila Jovovich or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's a joke. It's just whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, thankfully she is she's she's done um, as is. Uh, I, I, honestly, I think it's her husband that 
Paul W.S. Anderson that directed all those Resident Evil movies. Pretty sure that's her husband. Um, which might explain why he keeps casting her like she's the lead in Monster Hunter as well. Um, I, I don't remember which one it was, but I remember that there was uh, a certain Resident Evil that came out. And uh, I was watching it, and, and at one scene I was like, did they just... Where they was like, none of the other cast members showed up today, so let's just fill Mila for every single role. <laughs> it was, uh, I just called her Mila, but it was, it was every like, got I me. Mean, she was she was all over the place. Like the cloning one. Yeah, there, um, there were hundreds of her. Yeah, it the was, girl, the girl in the last, um, in the last one, uh, she is the last clone. But that is not the same Alice from the first movie. Yeah. She is one of the clones that were pretty much all wiped out at the beginning of the, what, sixth or seventh movie. I don't know. I um, lost track of the... Because they're so, so different from the game franchise. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when they threw in... Like Easter eggs for the game franchise, like one of them throws in the liquor, or they throw in the hunter. The nemesis. The nemesis. Jill Valentine is a recurring character as yeah, is when, Claire Redfield. Yeah, whenever they did that, I felt more insulted than appreciated. Yeah. Because uh, and I mentioned this in the the video that I played those games relentlessly. And on specific subjects of those games, I would consider myself like an an expert as far as knowledge is concerned, because that's how much that I I played them. I'm willing to bet that you know the uh, the mansion better than anybody I know. Quite quite possible. I could draw I could draw a map of it from memory and put every stick of furniture in place. Um, I still haven't done a tour of it it'll happen um but yeah uh uh, i i've i've really dedicated you know a lot of my time to i love horror games i like you know know, scary stuff my kids like scary stuff too so i can play it in front of them um and and not feel too worried about it they like zombies and vampires and you know all that kind of stuff i got lucky in that regard um but i just i just i have every resident evil and the only one that I haven't played more than once through is Resident Evil 6, which I would love to. Um, it's garbage. I, I, it's not that it's garbage. It's that it, the love that's required for it requires more than one person to love it. Um, and it's a hard game to get other people to love with you. Because it's garbage? It, exactly. <laughs> so it, it's It's... There are some things that you love in spite of it not being as great as everything else that you love. And you want to get other people to love it too so that you can love it even more. And yet, dead. So, so the interesting thing about this, uh, this movie that they're making, though, is mm-hmm. that it's, um, they're they're actually going back to 1998. The movie is apparently going to be set in 1998 when the events of the first three games happened. 
for those who may not have played it, as difficult as that is to believe, um, Resident Evil 1 was one night. Resident Evil 2 is like a couple of days later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Resident Evil 3 is like a few hours before Resident Evil 2 and a few hours after Resident Evil 2. Um, so, as far as the primary characters that we're talking about here, it's pretty well established what's happened. So I'm really kind of curious as to what they're going to bring new to the table. I'm also really upset that Rebecca Chambers isn't in it. Yeah. I'm I'm just more generally upset that they're doing this particular event with these particular characters. Um and and really to kind of you know piggyback off what I said in the the rent rant uh video uh one of the issues that I have is that the video games, especially the early video games, these aren't super-powered heroic characters that you're playing as. And the events that unfold and the end results of them, they don't really end as super-powered heroic characters either. It's a survival horror, and at the end of the night, you're merely a survivor of that horror. So if a newspaper article were to have been written on the events that happened um, in, in 1998, Raccoon City, they wouldn't even include Leon Kennedy or Claire Redfield or Chris Redfield because they're such a small part of what the main story is. You kind of discover the main story and the main players of it while you're going through it, but it's it's a survival horror. It's really about just surviving the horror. Now, in subsequent games, these characters have kind of become more heroic in you know some ways. Um, that started with Resident Evil Four with Leon Kennedy. Oh, Leon's um, a superhero. Yeah, with with Leon Kennedy basically becoming like. Uh, uh, special security guard for the president and the president's daughter. Um, And then I don't know what's up with Chris Redfield. He's just completely steroided out and is a super cop. And uh, they, they showed him at the end of Resident Evil seven. And uh, he's apparently going to be a big part of Resident Evil eight too, but he's also in Resident Evil six, same as Leon Kennedy. Um, but still, if you were to look at like the big scheme of things in any of these stories, the the stars members, the heroes of it, are still just basically survivors. And the big story is what Umbrella is doing. Yes. Um, and so it would have been wonderful if, like the movies with um, Mila Jovanovic. Uh, if if they would, if they would have, uh, you know, just um, shown us different parts of that story, 
not Alice's story. Alice's story is not Resident Evil. No. Almost none of those movies had anything to do with what happens in the games. At all. Uh, but there's so much backstory and lore and things that you don't get to see, but you read about in pamphlets and notes and stuff like that. Like in the Resident Evil games, it was ripe for storytelling for movies. But they're like, no. This one night with these very specific characters that really only existed in the original story as a, a vehicle for you to experience what Umbrella did. Well, I feel like uh, Resident Evil 2 has the perfect example of how insignificant those specific characters were in those uh, in those games in that there's a bonus mode that you literally play as a chunk of tofu. Exactly. <laughs> that is that is a hundred percent true that you can play as tofu. Tofu is uh, a wonderful character and example as to the the characters are not the main story. Um, at least not not the playable characters are not the main story. Um, and and if you know like the the non sequential, non numbered Resident Evil games, um, these ones I'm gonna have a hard time remembering the the titles of. Uh, the only one that matters was Code Veronica. Um, yeah, there's Code Veronica, but I'm specifically thinking of the the ones that are kind of emulating um, the first game style, and are they're more. About the, uh, are you talking about Revelation? Yeah, they're more recent, like the Revelation series. Yeah. Um, where you play as, you know, even more kind of, uh, lack of better words, generic characters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the idea of playing a Resident Evil game is that you can kind of put yourself in that situation. It's like, can I survive the night? Do you remember that uh, there was a four-player Resident Evil, online four-player Resident Evil game that came out uh, some 15 years ago that was hot garbage? Yes, there have uh, been a select few. There's actually a, a first-person Resident Evil game that came out a long, long time ago um, that was horrible, pixelated, awful, hot garbage that I don't even um, Capcom wants us to remember. Well, I mean, I'm talking about it was it was on PlayStation 2, uh, but it was in the same style of Resident Evil, uh, well, pre-Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil. Yeah. Um, not quite as pretty as Code Veronica. And it was just terrible. But you were playing as four completely generic, pointless characters, and it was you. You're separated. Yeah. And then you kind of work your way together, and there's multiple storylines, and um, you didn't have to play it online. You could play it as each of the characters. It was just not good. Well, it's someone who's you know a, a horror movie type buff. You know, I like zombie movies and vampire movies and werewolf movies. And basically, if there's a, a monster in it that's killing people, I'm like, yes, kind of a thing. One of the things that separates the ones that work from the ones that don't is the everymanness of the characters who are involved. Um, I, I like The Walking Dead, for me, worked really well when Rick Grimes was an everyman that had just as much potential of losing his life 
as every other character that was there, and that everyone had the potential of moving on from that loss. Um, when they lose that, and you have a character like Alice, who's so superpowered that the series can't possibly move on without her, then it loses the dynamic that makes it what it is. Right. Which is survival. Yeah. When, yeah, so. Yeah, I, and you know, to be honest, Rick Grimes wasn't an interesting character after the first season of Walking Dead anyway, so. Yeah, now, I mean, they they did do a justice, I think, by having his character eventually exit. Uh, but there was a a long lull in between where it's just like, okay, now we have this superpowered character that gets to survive every single event, no matter what. Yeah. Um, and and once you've reached that status in a zombie movie or a vampire movie or you know whatever, then you know it's it's no longer a horror. So, um, last but not least, just in a bit of funny news. Um, the person who, if you ask me, launched a million memes, Mm -hmm. uh, the guy who created autocorrect is, is creating a game called (laughs) Upspell. Sorry, I'm laughing because I didn't realize that they were still recording cat pods. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um... It's called Upspell, and it's kind of like a weird Scrabble, uh-huh. but one player. And in a amusing twist of irony, the guy who created Autocorrect is make a game, making a game where you have to spell things right. So, uh, <laughs> where I'm struggling is, uh, do we have a bunch of games... For kids and spelling, or for spelling, this is a board game. No, it's an app you can download. It's it's an app. Are there a a bunch of uh, app games for spelling words where one of the features is that you don't have to spell the word right? Text messaging. <laughs> well, text messaging's not really a game. Uh, that really depends on who you ask, doesn't I, it? I guess so, but I, I, I'm just trying to picture um, Scrabble or uh, any of these other uh, random games that you could play where they, they say, well, in this version, you don't have to spell anything right, it's fine. It's utterly ridiculous, but it is hilarious that the creator of autocorrect is giving us a spelling game and it is called upspell and if you want it you can download it on your iphone i believe it's on iphone yes but it's are you ready for this he's Mm -hmm. charging a dollar 99 for it so i will never be able to play upspell i'm just kidding i'm reviewing it next week (laughs) Yeah, and I'm never wasting my money. Sorry, man. Uh, if that's your thing, um, is is if you're you know one of those those P 
people that that gets mad at your friends and family members for spelling words incorrectly and you're always getting on to people on Facebook correcting their spelling whenever they're in serious need uh this is the game for you right absolutely <laughs> got it got it uh i i don't even know what else to say about this game other than i hope it's super successful and there's a lot of sequels <laughs> I hope there's never a sequel. <laughs> I, hope I hope it, it crashes and burns. I want a, I want a box so that people can come over and I can take it down and I can be like, all right, guys, first rule, you have to spell things right. <laughs> I'm tired of you guys and your crappy spelling. This is a spelling right game. Uh, that's going to be my dinner party go-to. That's right. Do you have any other news for us tonight? No, no, that's about it. All right, well, on on that note, I think that we're going to call it an evening for the, the dad pods. This is Chase Like the Bank, and uh, I've been visiting with Ollie. Fabulous he. Thank you for visiting, everybody. Be sure to like us on YouTube, Facebook, Anchor, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and uh, check out our website, www.thedadpods.com, and have a great night. Have a great night. You're sillier than me.